When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Second hour, Outkick 360. Football recap from a glorious football weekend. Appreciate all the hospitality in Aggieland College Station, Bryan, Texas. Epic weekend for Outkick the Tailgates. Epic weekend for the NFL as well. Bills sent a message last night in Kansas City. Uh, my upset picks, not so great. Uh, <laughs> the Bills were an underdog in Vegas, so I did win that. Uh, beyond that, though, the Chargers came back to win over the Browns in ep- epic fashion. L.A., uh, we will discuss the Chargers and Justin Herbert uh, in, in detail as well. Uh, plus, the Packers winning in overtime against Cincinnati, uh, despite Crosby missing a couple of kicks during regulation, gets the chance and makes up for it in overtime to down Cincy in what was Cincy's second overtime game at home this season. Guys, what were your big takeaways from NFL Week 5? Well, uh, two. Uh, one, uh, I was wrong to sleep on the Los Angeles football chargers uh, because they are in, uh, very good. Well, and that game, that game was amazing. Uh, and also, the, the Bills. I mean, that, that, I think the biggest thing is they just went to Kansas City and, and rocked the Chiefs. Um, they're the best team in the AFC right now. I think that's the, the two biggest things from Sunday. And, and one game was great. The other one was not. But to me, it's Chargers, Bills, and it's Bills at the top of the AFC. I think the Bills are very good, but I think it comes hand-in-hand hand with the Chiefs have some real defensive issues that uh, are going to need resolution for the Chiefs to get back. A lot of people keep saying, well, don't worry about the Chiefs. The Chiefs will be there in the end. I don't know if the Chiefs are beating many good offenses moving forward if they don't figure out what's, what's going on. And they had some good players last night making some some big mistakes. Sorensen, who's been a reliable uh, player in the secondary for them, getting getting torched I felt, and, and the like. I felt terrible for the Chiefs' defense, though, because Frank Clark was flagged for roughing the passer on Josh Allen on an interception that was taken off the board, and the Bills go down and score on that ridiculous flag. I hate that call in the NFL. They're protecting the passer. I get it. That is a defensive play. He's not targeting. He's not roughing. He's hitting the quarterback as he delivers the football. That's pass rush in the NFL. And just so happens that the momentum ends up bringing Frank Clark down on top of Josh Allen. And that's roughing the passer, and it wipes an interception off the board in a critical drive in that game. We saw an overprotective call um, in Nashville where Jeffrey Sim, Trevor Lawrence was towing the sideline. He tried to get a little extra. And there's a a picture of it that's perfect. Jeffrey Simmons starting to hit him on the sideline because Trevor Lawrence made the decision. You either have to decide you're going out of bounds where you're protected. If you decide to tow the sideline and stay in to get a little extra, then you're you're inviting a hit. And Jeffrey Simmons gave him a hit. There's a USA Today slash Gannett photo of Trevor Lawrence's foot in bounds with Jeffrey Simmons hitting him. 
I mean, you have to judge that fairly. If he's going out, that's fine. He's protected. Yeah. But if he's turning up, which he definitely was doing in the course of the play, and it's the same situation you're talking about, like uh, it's an overprotective situation. I, I thought the Cleveland Chargers game was just spectacular. We were talking about the, <laughs> the back-and-forth college game. I mean, to go back and forth like that um, it w- was just phenomenal. I think those are two extra uh, excellent teams I overrated Baker Mayfield's shoulder injury, which didn't affect him nearly as much as I expected. But Herbert is just out of this world right now. I don't know who's MVP ahead of him right now. Kyler Murray. Yeah, those are those are the two guys. Um, and if you had an AFC and an NFC one, those those would be uh, would be the two. He's fantastic. The kicking woes yesterday. Uh, Chad, you've been harping on this. Like, why are there not 32 Justin Tuckers? Yesterday, you saw there are not close to 32 Justin Tuckers. <laughs> extra point miss fest. What, what were there, 12? There were too many extra points missed, but it, the game that everyone's going to point to, Packers, Bengals, those are two good kickers. I mean, Mason Crosby, uh, the, the, the kid from Florida, I'm blanking on his McGough, name now. Uh, no, that was Ferguson, Cleveland. McPherson. McPherson. Evan McPherson, thank you. Evan McPherson. Another really good kicker that had his problems. Yeah. No, he's got to know if you hit the flag at the top of the of the goalpost and the flag is blowing to the left, it, that doesn't mean you made it. If the flag is to the left of the upright, that's a, a miss. He's celebrating one that he hit the flag on. You could celebrate that if you're messing around at practicing. I wonder if I could hit that flag. That would be an accomplishment, but it's not a made field goal. I also feel like I've been talking about I want to get excited about Cincinnati. Even in a loss, I still think Cincinnati's pretty good. Yeah, And I think that there's reason for hope and reason to get excited about them. Here's a big question I have. Is there reason to get excited about the Bears? No. Because that outcome surprised me. Hutton, you've been harping on everything is difficult for the Raiders. I still don't expect Chicago uh, to go into Vegas and win 20-9. to nine I'd say I think it's more the about – I, I the, agree. The, I didn't the, expect this. I think it's more about the Raiders than the Bears right now. Uh, putting putting up nine points against Chicago for an offense through three weeks that had a thousand yard passer, right? Like that, they had what a in Vegas they had like a seventy percent chance of making the playoffs after their three and zero start, and I think it's down to in the thirties now after the the last couple of weeks based on these results and what's going on in their own division with the Chargers. I it's felt a- the same way a little bit about the Panthers dropping one to the Eagles. Yeah, like but, uh, yeah, Eagles played well, but it was you know Panthers are are good and had a you know, not great day where they only scored 18 points. It's also impossible not to uh, look at the Raiders' outcome in that offense, the way they were clicking. And I know the Bears have a good defense, but see that loss and think maybe the Gruden stuff was a distraction this maybe week. So. When, that, when that popped on Friday, I mean, I, I immediately saw that score, and the first thing I thought was, boy, this is a bad week for John Gruden. And then they go out there after that, and instead of taking care of Chicago and at least playing competent offense the way you have been, something close to that, Well, this is they go out there and lay it And act. it goes back to what I said in the preseason. This is why if you're worried about your job as a head coach, you want the rookie, your first-round pick. If you can slow play it and you, get a, you always tend to get a boost from these guys when they catch fire, especially the runners. They catch, they catch a little traction. They go on this little win streak, and everyone's on board with the plan and the, the, you know, the future. And that's what's happening right now with the Bears. Their yeah, last two wins, two and one. I will say, too, I mean, Gruden's guys didn't, didn't really get it done for him there. Urban Meyer's guys, I thought, played pretty hard for him. 
I mean, they're just not that good. Um, and it didn't take that much for the Titans to beat them. But I, don't, I wouldn't look at what the Jaguars did yesterday and say they lost because they mailed it in or they didn't, they didn't play hard for, for their coach. Um, I thought there were some questionable coaching decisions, actually, that kind of hurt them. James Robinson disappeared in the second half of that game. LaVisca Chenault didn't have a ball thrown to him until the fourth quarter. I don't know what they're doing there, but I thought the Jaguars played hard for him. They gained over 400 yards of offense. I mean, yeah, they played hard, but it's still early in their season. So I think I don't know if they're playing hard for him. They're just still in the mode of the season where they're playing hard. Right, but they could have easily – I'm talking in the two coaching distraction stories of the week. Yes. The Jaguars played for their guy, and the Raiders maybe didn't play for their guy. But then you get to the postgame comments, and there's this wide disconnect between what Urban Meyer says and what every player says. You know, he's talking about we're not comfortable with the quarterback sneak because uh, Trevor Lawrence didn't do it in college as much. And, we're te- and Trevor Lawrence asked me, I, said, I, I can sneak it. We sneak it in practice. That, that could be an option yeah, on that play. That, that is weird. Well, then James Robinson, uh, you know, Urban Meyer kind of hemmed and hawed about, I had a conversation with Bev, Daryl Bevel, about that. Maybe, maybe he was banged up or something on that. And then they go to James. He said, nope, I w- was fine. I could have played. Yeah, there's no well, logic. There's no logic. They went away from their two best players. Uh, they went away from their best player, and they didn't go to their other best player who didn't touch the ball until the fourth quarter when he got a 58-yard catch on his first touch and made four guys miss. It's just, uh, it's just weird uh-huh. there. The Giants, again, were very good. The Cowboys lose their three best players. I think the, John, uh, the, the Cowboys are, are really uh, quite good. And you can make the case, really, for, weeks. For, yeah, for, four, for four teams in the NFC – I thought it was going to be oh, the other it, way around. It, there is a power five in the NFC. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they are, the NFC is loaded with some great teams this year. Yeah. Arizona's and, there. The Rams are there. The Cowboys are there. Who am I forgetting? Um, but it, it, is, it, it is loaded. And I thought we were going to be able to talk that the way. The Packers. And I thought we were going to be able to talk that way about the AFC, where I think there's still a lot of talent. But it's not the teams are not all that as good as those top NFC. It's teams. wide open because the Chiefs' defense is bad. Buffalo's right. look. I take the Chiefs out of it for right now. No, I, mean, uh, I don't because of Mahomes. Yeah. Uh, but, but Mahomes is turning the ball over. Oh uh, yeah, his interceptions are or what's what's troubling right now for for what they're trying. He, in 2019, he had five picks. Uh, last year, he had six interceptions, and so far this season, he has six interceptions. Yeah, and he had a, a fumble as well, if I'm not mistaken. So um, there's some problems there. The Ravens can help themselves tonight if oh. they, if they beat the Colts. Tampa Bay. Someone said on the YouTube chat yeah. was one. So there's Tampa. five. Probably shouldn't leave out in the NFC yeah. also. There's uh, five. Those, are, the those five. are those are some powerhouse teams right there. That's going to be fun to watch. Brady them threw play five touchdown other. passes, by the way, yeah. yesterday. It's just uh, fifteen on the season. R- ridiculous. You know, I I uh, I put some late money yesterday. Uh, before the game on the Texans because the Patriots had four out of five offensive linemen out of that game. And uh, there, there was some talk in Nashville. What was the spread? About uh, – I mean, you covered. I don't remember. I, I, I played at Moneyline because it was oh, okay. money to be made there. But uh, And the Texans played a pretty good game there. Uh, Mac Jones led them to, a, to a, a late score to win it, 25-22. That's a game where they actually hit field goals. Fair Baron didn't. Fair Baron yeah. was missing kicks. But it's amazing, again, Patriots against the team they should beat, covering for four or five offensive linemen, find a way to beat a team they should beat. 
Uh, and again, we're talking about a team in Nashville whose pass protection, you know, got better. They didn't give up seven sacks. They gave up three sacks, but they still got issues. They can't find a way to cover like that. In New England, they're playing what? Their uh, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth offensive line. In front of a rookie quarterback who led the second half. They were down 22 to nine. And Mac Jones was calm, steady, protected the football. Uh, settled for field goals, but they won 25-22 because of it, because of Mac Jones leading the way in that game. With those win. linemen in front of him. Oh, and, and also, I should, I should add, uh, Houston helped in that. Yeah, Houston achieved something well. we have not seen, or at least I haven't seen, a punt for zero yards. They had, a, they had a punt that netted zero yards yesterday. Sean Landetta in the playoffs for the Giants against the 86 Bears, um, had a punt that was negative yards. He he dropped the. Uh, I've seen the wind take a kickback. Yeah, I've never seen it just go out of bounds at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> That's outrageous. I've seen it in what college happened? a couple times. What I happened? was watching a Nebraska game where a Nebraska punter had, I think, a zero yard punt that went straight. Was there a rush right. around him? Or um, did he panic? No, it was just. I mean, it's just the Texans. <laughs> what else can you say? <laughs> Mills played pretty well, by the way. I mean that that was a. Uh, you had to feel good if you're Houston about what Mills did. Not that the Patriots are, are great talent, but they're one and four. They are they are what what they are. We but will, they had a chance to beat the Patriots yesterday. They should have beaten the should Patriots. Should have, yeah. We will dive into some other takeaways from the NFL weekend, including we'll go back to Chargers Browns and tell you uh, about a stat that uh, is crazy to think about. What the Browns actually did against the LA Chargers, even though the Chargers won. Uh, we'll tell you about this 400-game streak that ended yesterday. <laughs> Unbelievable. Also, the, the Cardinals winning to stay unbeaten over the 49ers. We'll discuss Kyler Murray and that offense. All straight ahead on OutKick 360. Three under-the-radar games yesterday. Results from Week 5. About to recap here on OutKick 360. First, though, Chargers-Browns. 47-42 the final. The Chargers already uh, with, let's see, they're 4-1. and one. Uh, Buffalo, Cleveland, Baltimore, Kansas City at the top of the AFC as well. 4-1, uh, and one, which has them on top of the division. They have not lost a game within their conference. And they've already downed the Chiefs at Arrowhead. And yesterday they downed the Browns in an epic comeback. And... They're winning games this year that they're, they, they weren't winning a year ago, that they weren't winning in recent fashion. The Chargers last year, they became the first team in NFL history to lose four consecutive times by blowing leads of 16 points or more. And the difference now is they're pulling comebacks because Staley is he's going for it. I mean... The, the way they came back to win the game on the final drive against Kansas City, going for it on fourth down, not allowing Mahomes to get the football back. Yesterday, going for it on fourth down again and pulling that comeback. That, it, that's the difference with the Chargers this year to last year is they're not getting ahead and then all of a sudden, before you look, the other team's kicking the game-winning field goal at the end of regulation. The Chargers are putting games away and they're catching up and then grabbing the lead. They also tried to unsuccessfully kill the clock. Austin Eckler did not want to go into the end zone on the last touchdown, and Cleveland carried him in, which Staley didn't know was allowed. I didn't know it was allowed either. I know you're not allowed technically to carry your own guy in, though it rarely gets called 
when, when your own guys, right, your offensive linemen kind of drive the pile into the end zone. Eckler just kind of stood up and, and stopped. He says on second thought he should have gone, gone down. They could just as well have taken a knee. But Cleveland showed up, and a whole bunch of guys pushed him into the end zone to make sure he scored because they wanted the ball back, and they knew that the Chargers were slow playing it to try not to leave any time on the clock for Cleveland to go back and try to, to win it. It's, now, it, it's a heads-up play by Cleveland. It's also one of those plays that why would you even think to have that rule until you see it? Because it goes against what a defense would be trying to do. Yeah, like, yeah, why yeah. would a defensive player pick up a guy and try to carry him into oh, the end zone at any point? Right? I mean, it would never in consideration seven years ago. It reminds me of uh, last night's baseball game with the Red Sox Rays. Like, oh. it brings to light. Why would someone want to knock the ball over the fence when For it's their team that double. they're playing defense. Oh, well, it actually helped them there. So what's to stop a player from picking up the ball or batting it out to try to keep the runner at third base? It that just, was an electric. Things like that you don't think about until the rare times you actually see it happen. That was an electric game, Cleveland and the Chargers. Uh, it was the, it, so they have four wins now. They're 4-1. Three of the four victories, they've had to manufacture the fourth quarter comeback and be aggressive and, and go for And And that's what uh, Staley has brought. Um, with the, the the mentality and, and look, Justin Herbert is fantastic in all of this as well. The Browns, though, you know they they lost early in the season to Kansas City, and we came in and said we still believe in Cleveland and the the Browns formula. I still do. After they they lose the way they did yesterday, um, they became the first team. Paul, you sent me this. This is amazing. They became the first team in the Super Bowl era when scoring 40 points in a game and having zero turnovers to lose. That stat is 401 and 1 now. It was 401 and 0. That's great. When an NFL team scored 40 or more points with no turnovers. And and the funny thing is like before last year and this year if that had happened in Cleveland if there was if they were the first team out of 402 teams They'd be lighting things on fire in Cleveland, right? <laughs> yeah. now, of course, it's the Browns. Yeah, right. Of course this happens to the but Browns. But now it could happen, and you'd be like, you know, all right. That's a tough one to take, but that says something about us. Um, well, but, the, but you go back 20 games, and people would be, oh, my, like exactly like you're saying. Like they'd, they'd be trying to light the lake on fire. Yeah. And, and look, it, I think the expectation was Cleveland's offense travels well. Baker's banged up. They, they lead the, the NFL in rushing. Nick Chubb goes on the road, rushes for 161 he is, yards. He is terrific. Um, that offense travels because of their offensive line and their run game. Uh, hopefully Baker's shoulder uh, can get better. On, on top of that, they found David Njoku all of a sudden. I mean, yes. he was the big surprise of He's the running weekend. away from people. 140-plus yards receiving um, out of nowhere. to a 71-yard scoring play in the, in the fourth. Uh, he's the player that no one expected to jump onto the scene, and man, did he ever flash well yesterday. I know when big guys are running fast, it doesn't look like little guys running fast at times, but that was the slowest-looking 71-yard fast run I've ever seen when Njoku scored on that. It's just, I guess, the longer strides. You look slower at times, but I was thinking, how is no one catching this guy? Because it looks so slow for him to get in the end zone. You know, it's another amazing thing about them, and we've seen a couple examples of this. Teams doing big things without their best people. And I, I think a, a, another big reason that people were into the Browns this year is, oh, look, the Browns broke through last year, and they're getting Odell Beckham back. 
Well, Odell Beckham is nothing but a decoy right now. He's, he's not a factor in their offense. I think PFT had a post today like, should they trade him uh, before the trade deadline to somebody that's in need of, of some kind of threatening receiver because he's not a factor for them right now. Uh, and it's an interesting idea. Or can they turn him into a factor and add another layer to their offense? Because uh, he's coming off the ACL, and maybe it takes more time. But they're doing just fine offensively without Odell Beckham uh, as a factor. Three under-the-radar results. Paul mentioned one of them, the Eagles beating uh, the, the Panthers 21-18. to 18. Sam Darnold is more – he's coming back to the middle now. You know, they started out winning where he's not turning the football over uh, first three games, all three victories. And now, five interceptions over the last two games, both losses. Now, I realize the last two games have not featured Christian McCaffrey. And in the first three, they did. So, that's also a massive factor in all this. But can Darnold settle in and, you know, win these close games when they don't have McCaffrey? Who knows? Uh, McCaffrey said he wanted to play last week. Yeah, and, he's probably And then they ruled him week. out. But, yeah, they, they, they need him back within their offense um, because their defense is good enough, right? I mean, can Darnold be the extra boost that this offense has needed in Carolina? I think they're a playoff team. I'm just not so sure that they're – all of a sudden contending for the division with Tampa. Tampa's the, another interesting one, not under the radar that they won here, and I'm, I'm not including them in my three, but for the divisional talk, Tampa now only has two opponents with winning records until December the 12th as they take on Buffalo. It is October 11th, and for the next two months, currently, they do not have uh, an opponent with a winning record um, they have two of them, actually. Two, two opponents with a winning record for the next two months until Buffalo, based on the start of the season. So it works out well for the Bucs after what was a, a nice stretch. Yeah, they, it, yeah and th- those two teams, by the way, are Chicago and New Orleans. Yeah, and it's, it's also odd, though, the, the teams with losing, they don't play just the dregs of the NFL, though. We're left on the schedule, unless you want to put the Giants and Falcons in, in that category. They do to get the Jets later in the year, but... It's a lot of teams those that are yesterday? just okay. Yeah. yeah. Arthur Smith the and Jets Dean Pease like found way, a way yeah. to handle them. The Jets looked exactly the way I thought they were going to look the rest of the year. Yeah. They're, I'm, I'm telling you, their one win will be against the Titans. That'll be it. They're 1-16. They're 1-16, sorry. <laughs> Got to get used to the 17th game. 27-20 the final. Really bad. Kyle Pitts, um, 110 receiving yards, and... He's, he's come to life over the last two weeks. Arthur Smith does not need to wear a beard. Did you see it? It's, no, I didn't see it. It's gray in this area for TV. Uh, like the bottom goatee, not the mustache, but the bottom part of the goatee is gray. The rest of it's dark. So he looks like he's wearing a Halloween costume, <laughs> like with mutton chops that are dark. Where you wear like the, the put whatever on your face to make it look. Yeah, I know what yeah. you're talking about. Uh, Falcons winning though they're playing they're playing well right better, currently better, with better. with Arthur Smith and again they got the Jets they took advantage of where the Jets fell on their schedule played that game in that's London. a bad team taking advantage of playing a bad yeah, team. yeah exactly um, the Falcons by the way that bad team they were doing backflips when they saw the Jets in the schedule said oh great no doubt no doubt London sure yeah. we'll take them in Germany it was well, it was also China. one of the worst defensive performances of the Jets season considering that they've only won one game. 
that was still one of the worst performances from the Jets season. Uh, a Jets defense that sacked Ryan Tannehill seven and times. And Atlanta without Calvin Ridley, if you want to make the injury excuse for, uh, for the Titans, uh, it's not like yeah, Atlanta had its full stable. Um, speaking of banged up, but my third takeaway was uh, Steelers winning. And I, I mentioned the Steelers don't lose often at home, and it backs against the wall a bit. Big couple games coming up for Ben Roethlisberger. A lot of talk about him not playing well. Former quarterbacks last week having the discussion uh, across the national media about Big Ben and whether or not he was going to finish the season. Their bye week's coming up in week seven. They had a big week five win against the Broncos uh, where Roethlisberger played well, the offense came to life, and they figured out a way to win at home where traditionally they performed very well. And they win yesterday 27-19 in a game that was separated pretty early and throughout. And Roethlisberger was pretty good, 15 for 25. Yep. Uh, a couple touchdowns, no interceptions. Got sacked one time, still getting rid of the ball quickly and not taking sacks, but was uh, was was a lot better than the Roethlisberger we've seen for the for the bulk of this season, that's for sure. I, I believe they have Seattle next week. I may be wrong. I'm trying to remember that based on last week's Seattle's conversation. Seattle's bad, defensively just bad. And, uh, I mean, Geno Smith might do a serviceable job, but it's, it's, he's not Russell Wilson. Um, I'm wondering if bye weeks start. Seattle on Sunday Night Football, by the way, next week for Pittsburgh. I, I, I mean, I don't, I, I, it's a good win for Pittsburgh, but I don't think it's any harbinger that Pittsburgh's going to be like back. Uh, no, I, I think it's a. It was I, I, as I said last week. It's crucial for Big Ben. IR was calling his name in yeah. two weeks if he well. didn't pick up the pace. I mean, and it still could. The guy's always banged up, but I'm saying like we would see. Him go to injured reserve and just that would be it for him. I mean that that was how it was trending, and the team treated it like that. The, the locker room treated it like that yesterday. They performed well. Um, also, this is the start of bye weeks, by the way. So the Falcons and the Jets both took their bye week here, coming back from London. They'll both be off, as will the Saints and the Forty ers What do we think of Trey Lance? In that game. Quickly, I saw though, one uh, run. Going back to the Steelers quickly, yeah. not to close that point. Juju Smith-Schuster out for, for four months now uh, with a separated shoulder. Um, but the Steelers are now a win over Geno Smith in Seattle away from 3-3. Three and three. That's not too bad. They may not be back, right. but we were not expecting that. Yeah. I thought uh, I saw one run by Trey Lance where he held the ball so irresponsibly. Uh, I, I was saddened that nobody was there to make him pay for it because I thought it was like the most irresponsible rookie look I, I could imagine. And I can't imagine he didn't get a huge earful from Kyle Shanahan and, and the staff. What was that? That was 17-10 game, right? Se- yeah, 17-10. Murray threw for 239 yards. He had a touchdown, uh, 192 yards, and an interception for Trey Lance. See, that's a good sign like for, for the cards to me. You're playing a division team. It's a low-scoring, ugly game, and you you just win it. Yeah, I mean, they Lance looked okay running the football. He had what sixteen or seventeen carries. Paul, you've got it right here for like ninety, ninety-five yards, somewhere around there. Um, so it was. I mean, they got him on the move, and he moved the chains. Sixteen for eighty-nine, with a long of of fifteen. He threw it fifteen for twenty-nine for one ninety-two. Two sacks, an interception, 58.4 rating. I read somebody wrote, like, he didn't do enough there to suggest that Garoppolo shouldn't 
get the job back when he's ready based on what they were doing with Garoppolo when he was there. And this not being like a starter merely keeping the seat warm until the rookie was ready situation based on how the 49ers were playing. I don't know. Uh, Garoppolo, I can't remember the injury. Is he destined to be out? That's a calf injury. Longer than this? Uh, well, he had someone fall on his calf, and he at the time he said he, he hoped it was not anything more than a couple of weeks. And then the following day, this was last week, the following day, they uh, Shanahan said, oh, he's he, maybe he plays this week. this week. Didn't practice at all. So I, I don't know well, what the timetable is. this week. So be curious to see in two weeks if he's back in the mix and what direction they go. Rookies are now 0-6 in their debuts this season. Um, no, I mean, that's not a big surprise. But the question is, can he, can Lance bounce back if he gets another opportunity after the bye to give some life to that offense? And can he be what Mac Jones is, which is, and, and not the same style, but just a guy that you can trust is not going to put you in harm's way. Six bye weeks in week seven. I don't like that at all. That's a lot. When are the bye that's, weeks over this year? That's too little football. Uh, week 14 is the last. Titans so week, are among those teams 15. that have a late. Titans are week 13. So there are a couple weeks with just two. Week eight, there are two. Week 11 and 12, there are two. I don't, I don't know what necessarily is the, the formula for it. Well, some of it's I mandatory like based on um, London. Yeah, well, you have the option. So, right, some teams have taken to not taking it if your London game's early, though the Falcons and the Jets are doing it, if your London game's early because they'd rather have it more towards the middle of the season. But I like this idea that some weeks they're just two teams off. I, I think six teams off is too much. It thins out the week too much. Rookies in London, by the way, 0-5 all time. Rookie QBs? Yeah. Yeah. That's no surprise. I thought Trey Lance, that I knew that Shanahan would have a better plan with a week to prepare with him as a starter instead of being inserted in there. It was better. I want to see if he takes another step. He will. With, with I mean, being yeah, a little bit more familiarity. And I'm, I'm talking about with both Shanahan and Lance as they continued. I want to see another jump up for him. Before, oh, before I can answer the question, Hutton, on who they can he be week, a Mac Jones for Who them? are they playing week seven, Paul? They have a bye week coming up, you said, right? Take me a second, yeah. Um, if he if he starts, I would pick him up on fantasy and play him. You have Shanahan with a week off to game plan for his rookie quarterback. I like those odds, especially after Lance got an opportunity to go on the road and start already. So uh, maybe they come out of the gate with another divisional opponent and you play him. 49ers are hosting the Colts Sunday night football, October 24th. Yeah, play Lance. <laughs> Good time to get right. That's right. Um, Joe Burrow left the game with a throat contusion. What does that make you sound? What does that make you feel like when you it, hear that throat contusion? Went to the hospital. He's, he's fine, he's by the way. He's fine now. It makes me gasp for air. <laughs> like, that's that's my physical reaction to hearing the phrase throat contusion. Well, I, I'm surprised he didn't have a concussion. Did you see his head hit the turf yeah. on that play? I mean, that was vicious and violent. I, well, some of the stuff that leaves a guy Daniel without Jones? a concussion Daniel Jones just too. stuns me. I but, hate seeing the guy not being able to run straight, walk straight after the hit. The, the Daniel yeah. Jones concussion was... Well, I hate two things about that. I hate seeing Daniel Jones with a concussion, and I hate seeing Mike Glennon in the league. 
I, As I a, was, yeah, still a backup. That's I, confirmed yesterday. I was watching that game from afar when it was on at that point. I looked up, and I saw this kind of gangly-looking number two. And I'm thinking, who is that playing? It's the ostrich-like oh, neck. It's Mike Glennon who's still kicking around the NFL. Got who's the, it. I who's the right gangly away. guy? Yeah, who's the gangly dude out there that looks like he doesn't belong is on a football neck field? Like a oh, foot it's Mike Glennon. Long? It's got to be him. Got a long neck, that's for Very sure. Not neck. a Davis Mills long neck, but it's long nonetheless. Evie didn't get to see the giraffes because her zoo trip was canceled. You could have taken her to the TV there and said, "Look, here's your giraffe. <laughs> look, look, Evie, the giraffe. <laughs> the, gi- the Giants have a giraffe. Why is he wearing? Why is the giraffe wearing a football uniform? Dad? Chad wants oh, that. They added. do that. They do that up in New York. Chad yeah. wants that added to the the combine measurements neck size, neck length. Yes, for quarterbacks. <laughs> If he's now, if uh, we need a we need a long neck quarterback to be better than Mike Glennon and maybe also so better than Davis Mills. But if Davis Mills takes off and that long wide neck of his becomes a strength, then we're going to need to add that to the combat. See, I think it's a downer size because a defensive lineman or an outside linebacker can grab you more easily by the neck and take you down. It's it, it's like a, a it's something to grip. It's like a handle. Oh, the, with the, the way they sh- treat quarterbacks, you're not allowed to touch anything. Yeah, if they do that, they'll have they'll have problems. Fifty-three, fifteen yard. Also, uh, Saquon Barkley with the ankle injury. This is rare. It's I, a I, low I, ankle sprain. It's been described. I never hear that. I'm watching highlights last night the games, and they go back to back. They show on the highlights Barkley's huge ankle and how swollen it was right after he turned it on the another player's foot, and they go from there to the Daniel Jones concussion. And then show him wobbly standing up trying to run off the field. I saw a lot of tweets this morning with guys. I guess a lot of teams have early press conferences, um, and and Monday availability with players, which still exists apparently, with guys saying, or maybe it was retweets of guys saying last night, but guys saying, "I'm going to get an MRI on this, or I, I having a test on that," which. Uh, I'm all for it. Strikes me as liberty of guys talking about uh, their own body parts. I'm shocked, <laughs> shocked by it. Um, and I, I appreciate it. I urge the continuation of this this trend. And I was sorry to disappoint Taylor Lewan, who uh, the audio wasn't on yet, but I was told by a friend with the Associated Press in Jacksonville that he walked into the postgame interview room yesterday and said, where's Paul? I came in here because of him. Wouldn't, but, Paul, wouldn't you uh, prefer them send a text to a reporter and say, here's what I'm going to get checked out if you want to break the news? Well, it depends on which it? report. Like that's, that's also, they're just breaking their own news. So I feel like you would prefer. Maybe depends on which reporter, news. as I said. Here's my number. Tonight on FanDuel, FanDuel.com slash OK360, uh, Ravens minus 7.5 at home against the Indianapolis Colts. The over-under of this game, 46.5. couple of boosts you can choose from at FanDuel right now. The Ravens and Colts to each score a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown. You can get that at plus 250 right now. Also, Marquise Hollywood Brown to score a touchdown and the Ravens to win in a parlay. You can get those odds at plus 230. Here's what the Ravens have. I boost on FanDuel last night for Sunday Night Football. Won both of them. Nice. I won huge on that game last night because I hit on another three in-game parlay of my own and those boosts. So check those boosts out at FanDuel. I don't think the Colts are very good. I would expect the Ravens to win tonight at home. Next two weeks after that, Chargers at Ravens, Bengals at Ravens. Two top flight games. Coming up. Right now, the Vols offense is top flight. Chad's going to give us his three big takeaways 
as the Vols trounce the Gamecocks this past Saturday. That's next on OutKick 360. Vols take care of South Carolina 45-20 to on Saturday. OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network from the 6th and Peabody Studios with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, here is the third best offense in the conference now, the Tennessee Volunteers. A pace of play that's very difficult to keep up with. And now they're going to be able to maybe not knock off some of these teams that are ranked ahead of them or favored ahead of them, but compete at a high level against them, not be embarrassed by the Georgias and the Kentuckys of the world. Um, do we expect Georgia to beat them head-to-head? Yes. But the expectation has been, you know, the, the bar's raised a bit now for Heupel's group after wins against Missouri and South Carolina. I don't know that it's raised against those teams. I mean, I, I'm reading columns where people are putting the Vols as the toughest opponent for Georgia. I mean, that's consider where we were three weeks ago. No one would have said that. I, I don't know that I believe that because, I, like I said, I think uh, Florida will be that. But it, what it's done is, and this is a great uh, stat I saw from, from Wes Rucker who tweeted this, Vols are not just third in the SEC, Hutton. They're seventh nationally in scoring offense. Their next three opponents, three of their next four opponents, Ole Miss is number four nationally, Alabama is number six nationally, Georgia is number 12 nationally, and Tennessee has already played Pitt who is number one in America in offense nationally. Not bad for that defense and what they've been going up against and what they're about to go up against now uh, starting this week against Ole Miss. Here, you mentioned three big takeaways from this game for me. Number one is Hendon Hooker. He's got 14 touchdowns and one interception. He has been better than anyone expected. 185 QBR in this game. That's best in the SEC this week. That's number five nationally. We started the show talking about Zach Calzada against Alabama. Had a great day. Didn't have the best day from an efficiency QBR standpoint in the SEC. It was Hendon Hooker against South Carolina. I guess a pretty good South Carolina defense that gave up only 16 points uh, to Kentucky. Um, he's, th- he's thrown 10 incomplete passes over the last two weeks. It's crazy. It's Completing 75% of his passes. It's over the easy last to have weeks. hindsight here. And I know Milton won it in the short span of preseason and all of that. Well, it tells you what they paid him. Yeah, well, that, that's all fine. If Hooker had been in at the beginning, might they have one more win? Well, if he would have started against uh, Pitt, yeah, Pitt. they would be 5-1 and one right now uh, uh, instead of 4-2. and two. That's a tough one to swallow. Well, here's, yeah. But here's the explanation from them is we didn't know how elusive he was until you got him into a game because we're not hitting quarterbacks yeah. in, in practice. You've got to know. Um, well, either way, I guess lucky for Tennessee that Joe how, Milton got hurt. I guess we don't know how elusive Harrison Bailey is either. Would they say that? Because he wasn't getting hitting practice? No, they know how not elusive he is, um, <laughs> for sure. Um, and, and Hooker also, he started out, they weren't running at the same pace as Milton, and he quickly has got yeah. the pace down where they're running just as fast. Uh, Hendon Hooker has been terrific. Brandon Turnage, transferred from Alabama, had played some this year. He got the start at the star position for Theo Jackson, who was hurt. He went out there and won SEC Defensive Player of the Week. 14 tackles, two tackles for loss. I really thought the loss of Theo Jackson was going to hurt Tennessee in this game. His replacement played as good or better than Theo Jackson has played so far this year. That's a good sign. Here's the bad sign for Tennessee. They have zero depth. 
They had a bunch of defensive guys out in this game. They started getting gashed in the run game by a bad South Carolina rushing attack in the second half. They only give up 13 points offensively. A lot of that is South Carolina going for fourth and 16, you know, as they're way behind in the third and fourth quarter where they probably could have kicked field goals and scored points. So Tennessee was the beneficiary of that in the second half. They gave up the fake punt long touchdown was the 20th point for uh, for uh, South Carolina. But depth is going to be an issue. Second half is going to be an issue. Here's what we're seeing with Tennessee. They scored 28 points the first quarter against SEC opponents the last two weeks. Teams don't know how to react to their offense. This is a shock factor when they get up against Tennessee and see just how fast they're running it. And this is also a great notch for Josh Heupel with preparation week to week and seeing things that are going to work. Now, on the flip side, I don't know if there's a lot of adjustments to be made, but I don't think this is a great sign on halftime adjustments because Tennessee is coming out the second half and they're just not quite the same. Uh, they were really shut down uh, offensively in the second half against, against South Carolina. Maybe to be expected with a lack of depth. You know, you can only do so many things and they've kind of thrown everything out in the first half. You hope they have a big enough lead where they can hold on and win it. Uh, but either way, that second half is a little bit concerning, I think, for Tennessee. But all in all, if you told anyone they were going to go into Columbia, Missouri and, and blow them out the way they did, score 62, and then come back out, you know, they're a 10.5-point favorite in this game. They win by 25. They're up 38-7 at halftime. They're up 35 nothing at one point. This offense is humming better than anyone could have expected at this point. And good news that they, they're, speaking of depth or the lack thereof on defense, they're showing depth at wide receiver now. You know, at one point, I thought the rotation was an issue. Now we're seeing them really start to settle in with with Hyatt get a touchdown pass, Valus Jones moving him inside. You have uh, uh, Cedric Tillman had a career high in catches in this game. Peyton as well. I mean, they, they, they've got a group now that uh, with with Hendon Hooker. You mentioned they're humming offensively with him. Their wide receiving core looks really good. And the thing, by the way, uh, you mentioned Peyton. I want to bring this up because it's a pretty crazy statistic. He's now had four straight games where he's had a touchdown pass of more than 40 yards mm. in the game. So he has become a big-time, big-play threat for Tennessee. That was a beautiful play call on his long touchdown pass against South Carolina where they faked the, the quarterback draw, the run to the right, and it was almost like the old Tim Tebow fake run jump pass, but instead of the jump, he just fades back and hits Peyton wide open because South Carolina bet on the play. And, Paul, they were able to beat you in, in multiple ways right now with how they're scheming things. I'm I'm believing I, I and I don't I, I fear I'm giving way too much credit to Missouri and South Carolina, right? Yeah, but I think the, we all, some are, but the, I, I think there's a reserved um, mindset from a fan base right now that you know they're waiting on Georgia and Kentucky to come up. Oh, right. miss this. But week those too. are the t those are the teams right that UT needed to beat to get yeah. to what I said before the top of the middle. And so I'm saying they're the top of the middle now. And so what do you do after you're at the top of the middle? If you're at the top of the middle, then you chip away at the, at the bottom of the top. But why are you believing? They just look damn good. And they're beating, these, they're beating the middle teams by a lot with this pace, with a scheme that looks like it knows, consistently knows what it's doing. It's getting people open. Well, this is this, the quarterback's I'm only, making plays. I'm digging in here because you're normally the guy who know, wants to point to Florida and, and Georgia State. Florida was th three weeks ago, and they lost that game 38-14 or 38-17. Well, I, I think w we knew coming in they weren't going to, to me, that, that Florida was going to be uh, top. 
right? Top of the middle. And then Kentucky beat Florida. Was the goal now. But here's, now, here, but I think that they, I, that's why I looked ahead a little while ago to Kentucky. Yeah. And I feel like they have a legit chance against Kentucky. I'm that trans, transitive property and all that stuff doesn't work, right? So they lost to, to Florida. Kentucky beat Florida. What is now you triangulate the whole thing, yada, yada. But I think that they can hang and maybe beat Kentucky, which would be to me a massive accomplishment for Josh Heupel. And his no first doubt. Look, I think they can score with Ole Miss. I mean, I think this is not a throwaway game either. I, I don't think they win this game, but it could be a shootout. Uh, but could be. Look at the second <laughs> half. Should be. Look at the second half against one of those teams is scoring. Jack. Look at the second half against Florida. That's the problem. That's going to continue happening against good teams. Over under right seventy nine. We're going all in, all in on that over. Game of the year in Knoxville. <laughs> Chad's not. Chad's hesitant. No, I mean it's, it should be a lot, a lot of points, but I I think Ole Miss wins. Titans talk next.